Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today, and we have got a great show in store. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is definitely the time of year where we can feel stretched thin and burn out, and May is crazy town for so many of us, and we definitely have been going hard over here at Downs Books. If I'm not careful and don't plan time to rest and process everything going on in me and around me, I can quickly find myself in a mental spot I don't want to be in. This is why I love therapy, you guys. My appointment is tomorrow. It can give you the tools to find more stability in the chaos so that you can keep showing up for yourself and for others. And BetterHelp is an incredibly easy option. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and to fit in your schedule. Because May is always so crazy busy, you don't have to worry about not having the time to drive across town for an appointment because your sessions can be done right from home. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. We love a quiz. And that gets you matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you're sure to be working with someone who is a good match for you. I've benefited from counseling so much. In fact, again, my appointment is tomorrow. And it really matters to me that you know about accessible counseling resources like BetterHelp to help you navigate your emotional, spiritual, and mental health, too. It's one of those things to make a priority even in the midst of craziness because it will help you navigate it all. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash That Sounds Fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash That Sounds Fun. Today on the show, I get to speak with Pastor J.D. Greer. He is the pastor of the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, and served as the 62nd president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And yeah, we talk about it. He's also the author of several books and speaks at events and conferences around the world. Today on the show, we get to talk about his latest book, Essential Christianity, The Heart of the Gospel in 10 Words. And y'all, it's a good one. With so many conversations happening these days around deconstruction and division in the church, J.D. talks about what it means to really live out our faith right now. And I think this is such a helpful conversation, whether you're struggling and weary when it comes to following Jesus, or you just need a reminder of what is true. I think you're going to like this one. So here is my conversation with Pastor J.D. Greer. Pastor J.D. Greer, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Oh, thanks for having me, Annie. Listen, we're coming in hot because I got to tell you two things. Mm. I am not Baptist Mm. and I do not like Paul. 
I have so. my assignments for the hour, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I am – our friends listening, your new book, Essential Christianity, literally is talking about the book of Romans. Right. And my problem with Paul – that I would love for us to discuss because he wrote yep. a lot of the New Testament. He did. He was sort of influential at that time He's period. He's just, I don't find his language and his writing to be kind. Hmm. I find him to be harsh more than inviting. Am hmm. I wrong? You can say I'm wrong. Uh, well, I mean, we've been friends for he was, a long time. Right, like, like just <laughs> going on, on minutes now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, to, to, to affirm what you're saying, I, some friends of mine and I used to say, I'm not sure Paul and I would have been friends. Yeah. I know what he is saying is scripture. I He is he forms the bedrock, you know, his writings of our faith. But, uh, you know, not everybody that loves God and is useful in the kingdom is the kind of person that you just want to, you know, have a cup of coffee with or vacation with. Man, that's so important to say because we sit by people at church that we don't like mm, and right. who don't agree with us politically or about where we put our kids in school or about how we handle our internet. Right. But that doesn't mean that they don't love God. That's right. I, I am that person for many people. Yeah, I'm sure. me too. Right. <laughs> me too. So is it okay if I feel that way about Paul? I, 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 well, I, I probably need to hear more before I give a blanket <laughs> answer to that. But no, do it. <laughs> you haven't said anything wrong so far. And it is. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with anything he said. Mm-hmm. My, I, I don't think anything he said is not scriptural. I think the word of God is living and active and it is all God breathed. I'd right. totally do that. I just think, Man, there is a nicer way to say all that, and we just yeah. still gotten it. <laughs> so, yeah, not to make this personal, but yeah, my wife often says, and I know the Enneagram has a whole, you know, I don't even know where that discussion is anymore. Right. But she always says, you know, somebody like you, me, who's uh-huh. an eight, she says, you have such an incredible role in the kingdom of God, and you get on my nerves so badly uh-huh. on, when, you're, when your eightness really comes out. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what Paul would have been on the Enneagram, but I have a feeling it was useful in the kingdom of God and uh-huh. and, and and kind of rub people wrong. Because there are so many people, and, and I read N.T. Wright's book on Paul to try to help oh, yeah. myself mm-hmm. and kind of go like, let me hear more and put mm-hmm. him in cultural context. And it did help a ton. It softened mm-hmm. my heart a mm-hmm. ton. But so many people go like, I want to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like Peter, which is probably should tell you plenty <laughs> about me that I that Peter's my go-to guy. I love that. Well, Peter at the end, just uh, it's probably why you like Peter at the end of second Peter is like, yeah, you know, a lot of the Old Testament is hard to understand and some of Paul's writings. Like, yeah. who in the world knows what that means? <laughs> right. When it's like they went their separate ways. They did. I'm like, I bet they did. Yeah, I bet they right. did. Yeah. I, I mean, I just literally, as you know, right before here, I was with my church staff at Crosspoint and got to read out of James and then was reading in First and Second Peter. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. Right. It's just so nice. Well, and <laughs> so you think friendly. of like, you know, like so the, who Paul, you know, one of the big, a lot of people say that one of the, the questionable things about his ministry is how he separates that guy who yeah. has that faltering and then yeah. other apostles take him in and yeah. he ends up being a major part of the you know the formation of the New Testament. Yeah. You're like, what, what Paul saw as disqualifying, another person found a, a chance for redemption in. Yeah. And, and it really is, not to make this a really spiritual moment here, but no, it really is part of the you know the beauty of the body of Christ yes. is that, yes, there are truth tellers and there are is a role for that, but there's also those that are given that that ministry of of rebuilding and redemption. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, I don't think they should ever contradict or be at odds even though they sometimes start from different places and yeah. have a different a different goal in view. Yeah. What made you deep dive into Romans like this? You know, every major awakening in our country 
has come from the study of the book of Romans. Really? Yeah, every single one. Huh. And you just go back and you find that whether you're talking about Wesley and you know Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, yeah. it's that. Whether you're even going up to the Jesus Revolution, you're just going to find Romans early in there. Of course, you know the the Protestant Reformation. Luther, you know, said it was like he was falling down a, a bell tower of despair, and he reached out and grabbed a hold of the rope wow. uh, called the Book of Romans, yeah. and it ended up ringing a bell that woke up all of you know Christendom to yes. the gospel. And so, you know, I've just I, I've I've been a pastor for 22 years, which is hard for me to. Say. Say. Yeah. But I've never, I never preached on Romans because I was scared of it. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like sample little things out totally. of it. But then I thought, okay, I'm just going to take a year and we're going to just work our way. Annie, I will tell you that in all 20 some years of ministering at a church, I've never seen a whether I'm talking about the believers in our church or the community, the community around us, I've never seen a response like we had in that. Uh, over a thousand people profess faith in My Christ gosh. during that. Just yeah. as you're preaching front to just back, just as of I'm Romans. preaching. Yep. Wow. Yeah, just people coming forward or indicating. So it was. It, it, it's what God uses to to transform the church yeah. and has in every generation. Yeah. And so anyway, when I got done, let's quote Luther again. Luther said, "You know, never aspire to teach the church at large." Only teach your church, yes. said that to pastors. And he said, if the church at large feels like you have something to say to it, it'll come to you. And so after preaching through the book of Romans, a publisher approached me and said, listen, I've been checking this out, and I think I think what we could do is we could boil this down into 10 questions mm-hmm. that everybody asks, whether they're inside yeah. the church or not, and show how Romans, the, the logic line of Romans, answers those questions. Yeah. And so that was essentially the backbone of essential Christianity, is yeah. how 10 different questions Paul deals with in very logical you know, um, fashion, how they, they answer questions that 21st century Americans ask as much as first century Romans did. Yeah. I love where Romans is in the New Testament, too, where it's kind of like, okay, Gospels, Jesus's <laughs> life, here's Acts. Right. Where they're just like going for it. And That's every right. a hurricane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just happening. Yeah. And then now let's hear some letters. Instruction manual. Yeah, yeah. That's how it feels. It's like, okay, now that the, the excitement has died down to the degree that we're not seeing wild things and all these churches have started. Right. And now how do we disciple them well? That's right. Right. That's right. And so you mentioned it a lot in the book uh, a couple of times, which I found really helpful, this idea of like God wants to make himself known through mm-hmm, Romans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so can you talk about that a little bit, about God's desire for us to know him? Because I think a lot of people, a lot of our friends listening may have read Romans before, maybe haven't, maybe sure. are new to the Bible. But how does Scripture help us know God and why does God want to make yeah, himself so, known? So the first question that Paul deals with in Romans, by, by the way, I found this fascinating too. You know, for the first, I think it's about 100 or so years of Harvard Law School, they used the book of Romans to educate their I was law blown students. away when I read that in the book. That is Wild, Right, because what they do is they start with questions that you're asking and then show you how the objections actually lead you deeper into the proof. Yes, yes. And so the first thing Paul starts with is basically, how do you know there's a God? Yes. His second question is going to be, if there is a God, why doesn't everybody believe in him? Uh And the answer to the first question, how do you know there's a God? He's going to point to several things outside of you, some things inside of you. You know, these uh, philosophers over the years have given these, you know, really complex titles that are hard to remember, things like the cosmological argument and uh, the teleological logical argument. But what Paul says is these things are just evident to you. It's what you can't not know. You you know it, whether you've ever admitted it to yourself or not. 
you can't not know it. Paul's not saying that there are no atheists, but the line he uses in Romans is, we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Mm. And suppression is different than ignorance. Ignorance means you don't know it. Suppression means you know it, but you're trying to resist it. He's not saying that there's nobody who's not an honest atheist. He's just saying that inherently your heart knows something to be true, even if your head has convinced you otherwise. I love when you wrote about nature. Like, Mm. you can't be outside. Mm-hmm. And think this all just happened, right? Nothing right. times nobody doesn't equal everything. Yes, and so you know it's. I mean, I, I know. Listen, I've, I've read the the New Atheists. I've read the philo- I, yeah. I know that there are are complex ways people try to answer that. But what Paul is just saying is, there's a fingerprint that's on you. Yeah. Um, there's a in the longing you have for meaning, the longings you have for love. Those are things are. Are, are evidence that God has written inside of you of his yeah. image in you. Yeah. And what the Bible is coming along saying is God wrote two books. He wrote a book in nature and he wrote the Bible. And he wants to show you how the second book, the Bible, explains the first book, nature. Mm. Um, and that's where he I starts. Yeah. Um, and so it really puts you on on very common ground with people because one thing that I know, whether you're talking about people in, in very educated areas or whether we're talking about people in the Waffle House, like yeah. one of the stories I opened the book with is – Everybody thinks about God, yeah. and everybody has has these same questions for meaning and longing that Paul uses to to start his discussion on the gospel. Yeah, I, I love that. I you talk about this, but Romans one through eleven is really like here's the gospel, and then therefore, right, that's right, <laughs> right, and then it's like so the first half is literally like here is what is true, that's churches. Right. Here you go, right. here you go, Romans. Here's what is true. And now here's how we live. That's right. And he jumps so deep into humility immediately in Romans 12. Why is humility the response to the gospel? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I feel like what you just said there is is was so quick but so profound. I yeah. want to actually yeah, pause it. there for a minute because in most of Paul's letters, he follows the same pattern that he does in Romans. That is a pro, like a, a very important principle of the Christian life, and that is the therefore of the gospel. Yeah, is what produces all the transformation. Yes, that what what, what he's first going to do is is show. Not, you know, here's 10 things you need to do to be a good Christian. He's going to talk about what God has done and then say, in light of that, therefore, this is how you should be. Yeah. And like you said, humility, love for other people, these are all natural responses to the gospel. They they come out of the therefore. And in fact, one of the things that Paul is going to try to show you, and and Martin Luther was, this was one of the, the big things for him too, is if there's something broken in your spiritual life, the answer is not to learn something new. Uh huh. The answer is to go deeper into the gospel itself. He says the gospel is like a well. You don't get the better water from the well by widening the circumference of the well. You get the best water by going deep into it. Right, right. And so Paul's going to say, look, the deeper you go in Christ, the more alive you're going to come from him. The way Mm. you grow in Christ is the same way you begin in Christ, Mm -hmm. and that is by going deeper into the gospel. So, yes, the whole book hinges on the word therefore. That's wild. Yeah, and and, and sometimes there's – I think I relate the story in the book. There's a lot of Christians that gravitate toward – you know they, they love doctrine. Uh-huh. Uh, you know we could list out the the preachers, teachers they listen to. They just they love to leave with notes and yeah. Greek aorist tense this. Yeah, and, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, Then there's a lot of Christians who are just more practical. They want to know like how do I get along with my husband? How do yes. I you know raise my kids? And these Christians always feel like they're in slightly different camps, attracted to slightly different preachers and teachers. Yeah. There's a, a, a famous story of D. Martin Lloyd Jones, who was an old British pastor in the 1950s. And he was asked that question, should sermons, you know, angle more toward the doctrinal or should they angle more toward the practical? 
And he you know, kind of paused for a minute. He said, neither. He said, because the goal of a of a lecture is that you leave with a page full of notes. The goal of a the goal of a motivational speech is that you leave with a page full of action steps. He said the goal of a true Bible gospel message is that you leave worshiping. He wow. said there, there there needs to come a time where the pen goes down wow. and the eyes go up and you stop you stop saying, Oh my God, look at what I've got to do for you. And you start saying, oh, my God, look at what you've done for me. Wow. And what Paul is, is, is trying to do in Romans is say, ultimately, the transformation that produces the kind of wife, the kind of husband, the kind of kids, coworkers that we want to be, that transformation is going to be by going deep in the beauty, not of what we need to do for God, but of what God has done for us. So when you're writing a sermon, are you thinking about that? Like, is that a, I need to finish in a way that they will leave worshiping? Is that part of your programming <laughs> yeah, in your brain right. now? Um, it is for a I've while. I've never thought that before. Yeah. And I'm teaching on Sunday. So I'm like, <laughs> do I need to rewrite the end of my talk? A good friend of mine, um, we've both been pastors for about five years. He, after his church was doing great, and he said he was going to go back and preach a series called Encore. Yeah. In which he basically preached the greatest messages that he preached over the last five yeah. years. I said, I need to go and do one called Encore, in which I actually preach a Christian version of oh all gosh. the messages <laughs> I preached in the first five years, because most of my messages were real heavy on the do this. Yeah. You know, he, he, here's what the law, here, here's what mm-hmm. God wants, and here's what you should do. Now we call those do do sermons because mm-hmm. they're just filled with things that you need to do. Yeah. What a real message that I have to think about is is this making people leave? thinking about what they need to do for God or what in amazement of what God has done for them. Wow. Um, you know, a, a, a law-based wow. message tells you to go and change. Yeah. A worship-based message changes you on the spot. Yeah. Where one of the ways I, I think a friend of mine, I can't remember um, who said this, you know, originality is the ability to forget where you got it from. So, <laughs> so it's I yours. Made it it's mine Everybody now. quote JD. <laughs> exactly. He said, you know, God is not just after righteousness. He's after a whole new kind of righteousness. Mm. And that is a righteousness that comes from desire, yeah. a righteousness where you you seek God because you crave God, where you yeah. do right because you love right. And he said, there's no law that can command you to do that. Martin Luther said the dilemma of the great commandment is that God is commanding us to do something that by definition cannot be commanded. Right, because right? right. the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of like, I don't know if this will raise an argument, but I hate tomatoes and I hate mayonnaise. And when you make a tomato and mayonnaise sandwich, uh-huh. I think like this is the seventh circle I'm of hell. so sorry you don't like mayonnaise. I, I, I know. I, it's, I know do you I, like tomatoes cooked? Like spaghetti nope. sauce? No, just, well, I do like tomato sauce okay. and salsa, but yeah, anything that's just like the tomato itself. Okay, good. We won't um, feed that to you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, Put away the mayonnaise sandwiches, you guys. <laughs> You could command me all day long to eat those sandwiches. If you were big enough and strong enough, you could probably make me do it. But no command of yours is going to make me love it. You could coerce me to do it, but you're not going to make me love it. On the other hand, I've never needed a command to eat a steak, take a nap, or kiss my wife. I could do any of those things. No command is required. I desire them. What Luther said is the law is commanding us to do something that by definition cannot be commanded because if you love something – then you'll do it without a command. And if you don't love it, no command is going to change that. And so what the gospel is aiming to do is it's aiming to produce in us the desire that will actually make the law irrelevant. I don't need the law because my heart loves God, loves others, and therefore it flows out of who I am and I don't need any kind of compulsion. Yeah. I mean, that feels like Romans 12 Mm -hmm. to me of Mm -hmm. like, okay, so therefore, because 
of the love because mm-hmm. of what Jesus did. You don't have to make yourself do these things. Just be a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? right? Is that That's what you're right. saying? Am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely. In fact, the word that Paul uses there in Romans 12 that you're quoting is, this is the logical response of worship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In light of what God has done for you, yes. it's just logical. Yes. I quote D. Martin Lloyd-Jones again. You didn't know you were going to get so many stories from the 1950s. No, but it. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, he said, it's kind of like, you know, if you come home and sit on your front porch, there's a, a friend and your friend says, hey, Annie, just want you to know that while you're out today, while you're working, recording your podcast, a guy came by that you owed some money to. And so I paid I paid the, the, the debt for you. What is your response to that friend? Well, the question is, how much did that friend actually pay? Yeah. If you were short, you know, 15 cents on some postage and then you kind of pat them on the back say glad you were here right if they say well the mafia came by right and uh you know your nine million dollar gambling debt had caught up with you and they yep. were here to uh, you know but i pay that for you then at that point you don't pat them on the back and say thank you you fall down at their feet and say yeah. command me my life is yours yeah 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 and what paul is saying is in light of what god has done in the gospel there is a logical response, and that is to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Yeah. It just makes sense. It's yeah. what else would you do yeah. to, to a God who loved you like that? Yeah, that is what people who don't know Jesus yet don't understand. Mm-hmm. Is why we do this. That's right. I think that might be the cognitive dissonance. That's right. In a lot of ways, of like they give their life to this, right? Or they think we're doing it because we're trying to earn heaven. Uh huh. And everybody knows that if you're doing good to try to earn something, yes. Well, that's not really good. Yes. But what they don't understand is this goodness, this love, this sacrifice is not in order to earn the acceptance of God. Yes. It's a response to having been given the acceptance of God. Dude, I'm going to read you your own paragraph. (laughs) Every religion in the world except the gospel operates according to this premise. Mm. I obey, therefore I'll be accepted. Mm -hmm. If I obey well enough and often enough, then I will earn the blessing of God or the gods or the universe or whatever. The gospel turns that on his head. It says, you are accepted, therefore obey. That's right. That's a good paragraph. Yeah, Tim Keller, I think, is the first one that actually said the little the premise, you know, that I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But it was it was the way I, I served as a, a missionary for a few years in a Muslim country. Did you? I, I did. But you know, one of the, the 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 comments people make, I hear this on college campuses all the time, is is well, basically all religions are the same because they teach you integrity, they teach you love. Yes. You yes. Know. And you say, yes, I understand that a lot of the morals are going to point the same direction. Right. But there's a fundamentally different motivation in why you do them. Yeah. Because every religion in the world operates on the premise, you do it in order to earn the acceptance of God. Mm. The gospel is the only one that flips it on its head and says, no, you do it because you have been accepted by God. Yeah. C.S. Lewis, um, there's a famous story of him walking down the corridors of of, of Oxford, where he was a professor. And uh, several of the philosophy and religion professors were in a room having some kind of, you know, meeting, and they they were trying to come up with why all religions were basically the same. And so they had this um, chalkboard, and they had all these words written on it that described every religion. And it was things like love and integrity and faith and those sort of things. And they said, Jack, because you know what C.S. Lewis is, real name. They said, Jack, you're a Christian. What could Christianity possibly teach that's not already on this board? And uh, C.S. Lewis looks at the board, thinks for like you know half a second. He goes, oh, easy. You missed the most important word. And he goes up and writes the word grace down. Oh, wow. And he said, that's what separates Christianity from every other religion yeah. is that you are you are doing these things, again, not to be accepted by God, but because you have been accepted by God. Yes. Um, the moral of that story is 
never get into a battle of wits with C.S. Lewis. <laughs> yeah, noted. <laughs> <laughs> and then number two, number two is what separates Christianity from Islam, Buddhism, or really any other approach to God is that it's all built on what God has given you as a gift yes. and not what you earn for yourself. Yes. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation to share about another amazing partner, Raycon. Do you have any summer trips planned? That is my big question. Okay, I cannot wait for a little time off in July. I'm getting all my trips scheduled and planned, but let's face it, bank accounts have their limits. So sometimes after booking the flight and the hotel, we are in need of packing some great products to do the same thing as their higher price cousins. You know, sometimes we need a good dupe and we've got one you don't need to sleep on. It's Raycon's wireless earbuds. I literally charged mine this morning because I had been using them so much. When you're ready to listen to your new album or your new favorite podcast while you travel, I hope that sounds fun. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want when you want without breaking the bank. I mean, there's no reason to add to any budget worries just to be able to listen to great quality audio on the go, right? Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would to some of those others, more big name tech brands out there. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. 50,000, you guys. Plus, they have custom gel tips so that you get the most comfortable in-ear fit. And they're water and sweat resistant, so they're perfect for your workout. And here's what I love the most. Eight hours of playtime, which, again, you rarely have to charge them. Today, I was shocked when mine were not working. (laughs) Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. So they even offer buy now, pay later options. So right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee, and they offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. And they offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. Let's go. So go to buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun. And one more amazing partner to tell you about, nuts.com. Listen, there's one thing we always have stocked in our office, and that is snacks. We're not about that 11 a.m. starving feeling or that afternoon slump. Lillian is the absolute best at making sure our office kitchen has what we need to get us through our workday. And lately, one of our new go-tos is the snacks from nuts.com. Nuts.com is your one-stop shop for freshly roasted nuts, dried fruit, sweets, pantry staples like specialty flowers, and more. Their wide selection means there is something for everybody. And that has been true at this office. They have cashews and gummy bears and olives, popcorn, saltwater taffy, trail mix, and so much more. The other day at the office, we were snacking on the dried mango. Oh my gosh, you guys, it is so good. We also loved their bourbon pecans. And in fact, as I'm telling you this, I never even got to taste one because everybody else ate them up so quick. And chocolate covered gummy bears. I know it sounds weird, but it's actually a great combo. I'm telling you, we love our snacks around here. Nuts.com offers plenty of gluten-free options, organic choices and other diet-friendly products as well. Whether you're looking for something sweet, savory, or need to stock up on everyday cooking essentials, you are bound to find something to try. So shop a la carte anytime or opt into hassle-free auto deliveries so you never run out of your favorite items. And if you're already stocked up at home, they also sell direct to businesses. Right now, Nuts.com is offering my friends a free gift with the purchase and free shipping on orders of $29 or more at Nuts.com slash 
That sounds fun. So go check out all the delicious options. Do not sleep on that dry mango. It is so good. And if you ask the rest of the team, so are the bourbon pecans. That's nuts.com slash that sounds fun. You'll get a free gift and free shipping when you spend $29 or more. That's nuts.com slash that sounds fun. And don't forget, if you need any of the links from today's show and can't remember the name of one of our incredible partners or the exact link, you can find all that information in the show notes. Okay, now back to our conversation with Pastor J.D. Are C.S. Lewis and Paul friends in heaven? (laughs) Have they had a meal? You think so? (laughs) I bet they like. I bet we're gonna really like him. What I say to people is, I'm just not gonna be first in line for coffee with Paul, but I will get coffee with Paul (laughs) at some point. I just won't be first in line. Um, I think you'll have a heavenly version of this podcast. Oh, and so I'm counting on Paul being one of your first guests from your mouth to God's ears. No, Peter. Well, everyone is after Jesus, but after Jesus, Peter's first. I will give Paul an episode. Thank you. I will absolutely give him an episode. What if I get to do a podcast in heaven? You have just given me. You have made eternity more enjoyable to me in that one (laughs) sentence. What a great thought! That would be so fun to get to do. Yeah. Okay. Do you, I mean, because people, I have heard pastors and theologians talk about when we get to heaven, we aren't going to sit around. We're going right. to be on purpose. That's right. Well, C.S. Lewis, again, talks about you in the, in the last Chronicle of Narnia. Uh-huh. He says this actually, after all, you know, whatever many books are on the Chronicles of Narnia, all five books, he said, this is not the end of the story. This is the beginning of the real story, yeah. which goes on in which every chapter is better than the one before it. And what he meant was we're going into a place where everything we loved in the world, there's a better version of yes. up there. Yes. And I would have to think that, that you know, the conversation, the insight, yes. talking about the glories of who God is. Yes. I mean, the things we talk about on your podcast, we're just beginning. We're so just there's a, a better version of it. Them. Will you come on in heaven as well? <laughs> I will. Okay, thanks. Or the new earth. Depends on where we are, but you are invited. Okay, you thanks. have an invitation. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, I hope so. Tell me, if you don't mind, you you know, you know serve as a missionary for how many years? Uh, just two. Okay. Well, no, there's no just two. Two <laughs> years living anywhere is a long time. Then you're, you've pastored churches, and you served as the president of the SBC, mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist mm-hmm. Convention. And so I will say to you, one of the reasons I wanted you on the show is I really respected watching you handle that season hmm. when you were the president of SBC. Hmm. The three years I was president that were the 35 longest years of my life. That is, <laughs> has to be the truth. That has to be the truth. It, it was, I respected watching you lead that way. For our friends that are 22, hmm. how did those two years set you up? What happened then that had you stand up when you had to stand up as the president of the SBC? How can you look back now and go, man, I, I learned things then that yeah. are still serving me. Yeah, great, great question. I, um, you know, what drove me there was the awareness that there were, you know, two point two billion people in the world that had never even heard the name yes. of Jesus. Yes. And I remember because I, I was studying to be a lawyer, and obviously nothing wrong with that. And God leads oh, wow. many people into that. But where did you go to undergrad? Campbell University. Oh, okay. And so I was like. I was prepared to do that and thought, you know, yeah, if God were to appear in my Cheerios and tell me to go into ministry, I'll do that. But God began to open my eyes to how lost the world was, and it started to seem like, you know, I need a greater justification for not going than I do for going. I remember the image that God used when I was a a junior in college was, you know, if you're walking by some railroad tracks and there's a five-year-old kid Mm -hmm. who's hurt on the railroad tracks and a train is coming. 
you don't get down on your knees and ask God, you know, what is your will? Give me a piece about what to do here. Send someone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Pick up the kid, idiot. You know, that's that's right. That's right. right. Well, when it comes to people that have never heard about Jesus, it was like, why are we sitting around saying, God, what is your will? It's like the Lord is not willing that any should perish. We talk about finding God's will. It's not lost. It's it's right there. So I said, Lord, if you, um, unless you stop me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go. Yeah. And it was like I'm not one of those guys, any that you know hears God's voice audibly all the time. But yeah. it was like the Lord said, "You're finally asking the right question. Mm. That the justification ought to be on you to not go than it is to go." And wow. so I went to one of those unreached people groups in a very, very Muslim part of the the world, and I think just seeing the power of the gospel. There's nothing that helps you get over being, you know. An American, like living outside of America. I mean, I still love the United States, but then coming back and just everything looked different. All the realities looked different. And, you know, I realized that our lives from one perspective seem like they last a long time, but from another perspective, they're they're just a mist. Yeah. And so I came back and I started to prepare to go back overseas. And were you already married at this point? No, no, no. Okay. I was. I just met the woman who had become my wife, yeah. and um, so we were starting that. But so I, I was in that process. But during that time, God showed me that the role that He had for me was to be a pastor that helped, obviously, teach the gospel in the area, but also raise up missionaries. And so the church oh, I wow. pastor—I've only pastored one church ever—is called the Summit Church, and it's right in the backyard of Duke University, NC State, UNC. Yeah. So we have all these college students and. You know, to date, we've sent out, I think the total is 1,600 of our wow. members that have gone out to the mission field or on church plants. So when I get, comes time to lead the SBC and they approached me about that, my wife said to me, she said, she said, listen, if you're doing this so that you can get to the next rung of whatever stupid imaginary ladder you have in your head, yeah. this is a stupid Stupid thing to do. Yeah, this is a bad yes. She said, this is going to do nothing but make our lives harder. Yes. And and it, and what she said was prophetic and it was true. She said, but if, if if you feel called to this so that you can can help, you know, open the way and make it better for people to get overseas, because ultimately the reason you have things like the Southern Baptist Convention is to help churches get planted and people yeah. go overseas. If that's the reason that we're doing it, she says, then that's worth all the heartache. She actually referred to a couple of our team that lives over in Central Asia in a very difficult place, a couple of her former members of the church. She said, you know, if they're willing to get up every day in harm's way to live there and to preach the gospel, then shame on us if, we, if we're not willing to go through the hardship now of working in a denomination that helps make the path open for that. Yeah. Um, the reason it was so helpful is because you know, just to be totally transparent, I'm, you know, like a lot of leaders, I'm sure like you, I just, you tend to be ambitious and you're always trying, yeah. what's the next thing? Yeah. And my wife, who in, in many ways, blessedly, gloriously is a little bit the opposite of me and all this stuff. She says, you know, fame is making yourself accessible to a bunch of people you don't really care about That's... at the expense of those that you do. Listen, say that. Right? Yes. And she said, she said, if you are doing this because you think a bigger audience is going to make you happier. She said that's not true. That's right. But if you're doing it, if you're if you're taking the responsibility so that you can help more people get to the mission field, help make the gospel clear, she said that's a worthy sacrifice. And it it, it made all the difference for an idolatrous pursuit of that kind of leadership yeah, and yeah. then one that you're like I'm I'm really you're really to serve. So that would be the connection between the two years yeah. in the mission field and then the yeah. the years leading the Cuz then in every seat you've let in 
something has broken your heart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. And just aged People. you 35 years. <laughs> you <laughs> don't look it. Look you really don't old? look it. You don't look it. <laughs> but emotionally, I can't imagine. It's, so to write a book at the end of that mm. that says, I mean, I can get teary saying this to you. Mm. To write a book at the end of that that says the gospel is still true mm-hmm. and we still love people even though you very publicly suffered mm. at the hands of your own people says a lot about who you were at 20. That's why I wanted to know mm. because who you are at 20 in a lot of ways, especially for people who are choosing to walk with the Lord in their 20s and 30s, when you're in your 40s and you run up against really terrible things mm-hmm. and hard – I'm not saying the SBC is terrible. I, I'm no, saying the experience – you, you, you had a – from the public eye, yeah, the terrible moments in that for you, those make you able to stand in those moments. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to know what happened back there, yeah, that made That's... what we saw happen, yeah. and then made this book happen after that. It's a very astute question. You know, there is. My dad used to say to me, "The only two things in life last forever: the word of God and the souls of people." Mm. He said, the former you can always depend on. The latter will always break your heart. That's it. But you you should build your life around both of them because they're they're only two eternal things. Yeah. And, you know, I will say, and I can't remember if I refer to this in the book or not, but, um, yeah, people disappoint you. Yeah. People close to you disappoint you. People. um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book Life Together, said something that is, I think, probably gave me the resources to get through leading whatever difficult people is – he said, you know, when you when you become a Christian and you start to grow in Christ, the first sign you're, that you're growing is that you start to get really disappointed with and even disgusted at people. Mm. He said, that's the sign that your filters are starting to that's come on helpful. and you're, you're angry at hypocrisy. He said, but that's just stage one. Mm. He said, stage two is where you are more disgusted and more disappointed in yourself yeah, right. than you are those right. people. Right. He said, then you're ready for right. stage three. He says, where you re-enter the church, this time not like a self-righteous Pharisee, but this time like a redeemed and forgiven sinner that is ready to help other hypocrites like you, yeah. you know, on their progress toward grace. Yeah. And so I realize, you know, just even going back through the gospel and saying, yes, I'm still more committed to the gospel than ever, but I'm also still more in need of the gospel than ever. Yeah. And so, yeah. yes, I preach to a bunch of hypocrites every single week, and the gospel that is the answer for them is also is also the answer for me. Thank you for saying that. One of the beautiful things that you do in this book is you talk about that even in Paul's story hmm. of Paul saying, I'm the worst of us. Mm-hmm. I'm the worst of Sounds us. Sounds like Paul shared your assessment of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul and I both think some things are similar, like about him. No, I'm just kidding. We will be friends. Everybody for attorneys is going to be like, look, there's Annie and Paul again. They're best friends. I was interested when I was reading and you were talking about Paul's sin, because when I think about sin today for us, mm-hmm. I think about things like if we were listing them from stage. Right. Uh, Pornography, affairs, stealing money, um, pride, you know, and so much of the sins we get to talk to people about are things connected to their phone or technology, mm-hmm. are things connected to slow down, you're too busy, right, right. Our, our modern day. Paul said he was the worst of sinners and he didn't have a phone, <laughs> right? He didn't have access right, to a lot right. of the things we have access to. Imagine for us, what was a sinful life like? What is Paul talking about? In 70 AD, he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't watching things or reading things he shouldn't be reading. You know, like right. It was just a different set of sins, maybe. So, if you look at core sins that Paul would talk about as idolatry, yeah, this is what he says in Romans one: is that ultimately the heart of sin is idolatry, where we want to put 
more weight on something than we do God. Uh-huh. In fact, the Hebrew word for glory is the word kabod, and it literally means weight. Uh-huh. So when you give something glory, you're giving it weight. And so idolatry is when you give something more weight mm. than you do the God of glory. Okay. And so the the outlet for that is what we do today with technology. So if I'm putting more weight on what people think about me, then I become a social media junkie and it's the Uh, likes and the followers and all that sort of thing. In Paul's day, they didn't have those things, but that idol could just as easily find an outlet in how he was regarded down at the synagogue. I mean, this is what Jesus talked about when people who love long flowing robes. Today, he would say, these people love likes on their social media posts (laughs) and followers. So it's it's a different outlet, but it's the same sin. Yeah, I just I thought it was so interesting to think about of like, man, so often when I'm discipling people, we are not talking about sins that were available. We were talking about <laughs> behaviors that were available in 70 AD. That's right. But it's the same sin. Well, sometimes we can get in the habit of talking like a lot of these new things created these realities, yeah. created the insecurity. And the, it's like, no, yeah. it's like, well, the way we say it around our house is yeah. people suck. Yeah. Right. Like, can you can, can say I say that, that on this yeah, podcast? Of course you can. People suck. Yeah. And so they, at every single generation, they always have the same set of suckiness. Yeah. And then they just find new ways to vent that. Yeah. Is this your favorite book that Paul wrote? The Book of Romans? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Galatians is like a, a shorter version of it. So uh-huh. if you're looking for something punchier, yeah. you know, then, then Galatians uh, is quicker. But I think Romans, just because of how every single question that I would ask, yeah. Paul, Paul hears it in my head first, yes, yes, and then he answers yes. it. Yeah, I want to read the questions just for our friends. Listen, what is Christianity in a sentence? How do we even know there's a God? If God is real, why doesn't everybody believe in him? Is religion the answer? Why do Christians talk about being saved? Can anyone actually know they'll go to heaven? Aren't all religions basically the same? Why does the Christian life seem so hard? I love that chapter. (laughs) What is the difference between being religious and being spiritual? And now what? Mm -hmm. You're right. It's like he knows. 21st century Americans. Did the Romans need more leadership than the Ephesians or the Galatians (laughs) or the Corinthians? He says so much more to them. Is it because they were so far removed from the Jewish culture? What's the the thing? Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know. Maybe maybe Paul realizing that he was getting toward the end of his his ministry and he knows that he needs to put this down. and, and, And so, I mean, maybe that's it. I, mean, I don't really know. It's but but you know that at that point he wrote something that was a essentially a private letter that became yeah. a thing that that redefined everything. What's amazing, even as I hear you read that list again, because again those aren't my questions; those are the yeah. ones that Paul is addressing. Is just how like is he talking about twenty first century college students or is he talking about first yes. century Romans? Yes. I, one of the endorsements I got, maybe of all the endorsements that I was just uh, most pleased with, yeah. is there's a, a New York Times journalist who's yeah. a UNC history professor who um, had started to visit our church that she was not a Christian. Yeah. And so I got to know her. She had a lot of questions, and she described herself as a paragon of the secular left. Yeah. And I said, hey, I'm writing this book. Would you read along with me? Wow. And would you, you know, just from a perspective of somebody who doesn't believe. Yeah. Help me. You yeah. know, help me express it. She That's said, absolutely. So, cool. so she becomes a Christian about halfway through the book. Not because of the book, but, you know. <laughs> well, I'm sure it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. That's right. <laughs> and But she, one of the things she said there is she said, it is amazing to me as a, as a you know, Yale University PhD yeah. college professor who teaches at UNC how the questions that Paul is anticipating and, and answering are the exact same ones that my college students are asking and that I wow. am asking. Wow.
Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one last time to share about another amazing partner, Shopify. Y'all know that sound? That's right. It means that another one of you is out there shopping our online store at shopanniefdowns.com and it is powered by Shopify. Whether you're shopping for our work, pray, rest, play, denim hat, or browsing to find looking for lovely or chase the fun, our online store has you covered. Shopify makes it easy to bring these resources to you and we don't have to be experts at coding or design to make it happen. Praise the Lord. What small businesses have you been dreaming about starting? Maybe you want to sell greeting cards or ornaments or t-shirts or jewelry. As y'all know, we are featuring one small business on every stop of the Here For You tour this June. I cannot wait to meet these business owners and try their products and buy their products. So whatever idea you have, don't let the technical logistics hold you back. Shopify has what you need to help get your products in the hands of the right people. From an in-person point of sale system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, Shopify covers every sales channel. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills. Plus, thanks to their 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. You don't have to worry about something going wrong and having no help. Now it's your turn to get serious about that passion project you want to get out into the world and try Shopify today. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sounds fun. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash sounds fun to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sounds fun. And I have one last amazing partner to share with you, pros. Okay, you guys are so kind about giving me compliments on my hair. And I am telling you, it is because of pros. I finally have a custom made for me formula. And I just don't think I can ever go back to buying random shampoo and conditioner from the grocery store. My hair is shinier, thicker, and more manageable than it's ever been. Pros took my answers to their in-depth hair quiz. We love a quiz and created a unique formula just for me. And did you know that they're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral? Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced ethically gathered and cruelty-free. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take the products back, no questions asked. Join the over 1 million people who've gotten consultations on everything from the climate where you live, the issues you have with your hair, your hair type and texture, your eating habits, and let Pros handpick clean ingredients to get you closer to your hair goals with every wash. Their review and refine tool is really helpful because it lets me tweak my formulas for any reason, like when the seasons change or if my dress changes and I have a new zip code or my hair changes. I can go in and edit and so they can create the most helpful to me formula. Custom made to order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash that sounds fun for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. And now back to finish up our conversation with Pastor J.D. One of the things I love that you approached is sexuality in the book. You do these interludes in the middle of the book that I thought was so great. But the part that stood out to me when you're talking about what Scripture says about sexuality is you said, we get to punt it. If you don't want to take a hard stand on this. You can punt this one. As you live your life with Christ, mm-hmm. he will refine this in you, mm-hmm. and he will work that out. That could be true for 
anything. That's right. Of going like, hey, here's a topic that feels really hard culturally to find where I stand because I hear people on both sides. Politically, politically can be true. That's too. right. Sexuality. Uh, there's just so many things that that could be true. But will you talk about that, about drawing near to Jesus refines our belief system like that? I just thought right. that was a yeah. really smart way to help people assess that. Yeah. One of the things... Uh, well, let me make clear that what I don't want to do with a statement like that is give somebody permission to opt out of some hard teaching because That's they right. find it hard. That's right. That's because right. Jesus often looked at people and said, you know, this is what it means to follow me. Yes. Punting is not leaving the football game. Correct. <laughs> You're still in the game. But even Jesus seemed to recognize or he did recognize that there was sometimes an order to how you yes. win and how you wrestle with things. Yes. And so he, you know, he says famously to a group of them, I have many other difficult things to say to you, but you're not ready for them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So keep following me and we'll get to those. So when I, I'm talking with somebody, and I actually borrow this from C.S. Lewis, when I'm talking to somebody who it's just a full stop game changer when we get to the questions of sexuality. And because they've got whether it's stereotypes or whether it's their own internal, you know, prejudices. They're just like, I cannot go farther in this discussion with you saying this. I say, okay, what if we just punted that for a little bit? Yeah. Because, and again, to channel C.S. Lewis, the center of Christianity is not a moral ethic in any of these things. They're important. Yes. But that's not the center. The center is the lordship of Jesus Christ. Once you embrace the lordship of Christ— now you'll have the equipment to be able yes. to deal with those in time. Yes. So I, you know, I, I frequently tell I people, let's it. punt that for a little while. Yes. We'll get back to it, but let's punt it. It's one of my favorite things in this whole book, JD, because it, it like at Crosspoint, our phrasing is everyone is welcome because mm-hmm. nobody is perfect, and with Jesus, anything's possible. Mm, and it good. is so true. Everyone mm-hmm. is welcome. Mm. Come, no matter what you believe, you're welcome. We're going to tell you absolute truths. Right. You get to decide if you stay. That's right. <laughs> but you can come. You can come. Bring everything you believe today. Right. And come to our churches. Come to summit. Come to Crosspoint, like come to our churches and you're going to hear absolute truths. But the longer we put our lives under the Lordship of Jesus, the more we get right about money. That's right. The more we get right about relationship, the more we get right in line with Jesus. I just thought that was a brilliant way to put it. The Apostle John, who I I imagine you probably would like a lot more. I do like John. I do. Lean his head on Jesus' breast, disciple that Jesus loved guy. He um you know, he said the glory of Jesus was that he was filled with grace and truth. Yes. Grace and truth. Yes. Grace without truth is I mean, it's I don't want to give it. Right? It's dishonest, right? It's 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 a kind of liberalism. Yeah. It's it's yeah. truth without grace is fundamentalism. Yes. Grace and truth together that's Jesus. Grace comes before truth. You know because because you're actually drawing people in as you're you're speaking the truth to them. For the gospel saturated person, for the gospel believing person, we have to be more gracious than the liberal, and we've also got to be more truthful than the fundamentalist. But being full of both of them, that's what that's what brings the glory of God, and it's what made Jesus so attractive. Right. That at his feet are people that are tax collectors and. You, you wonder who would that who who would those groups be today? I yeah. mean, tax collectors are not the despised people they used to be, but yeah. who would be the despised people that would would long to be around Jesus? Yeah. Not because he was pulling punches, yes, but because he was full of grace and yes. truth. The practice I do for myself is who would I be offended was near Jesus, <laughs> right? Then that's probably what I, who I should pay attention to loving too, like Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul, you were offended that you Paul know what? Was there. You're right. I am. <laughs> Paul is the one I need to repent over. That's probably true. Man, I just when I think about this book and. 
think about this work that you've done. This is the one I, I like to think about where I like to see books. This is the one I want to see in all the little free libraries hmm. that people can just pick up and take home with it. You know, like hmm. I want everyone to purchase one and put it in the little free library in their neighborhood so that the these questions, because someone flipping through going, yeah, I actually have always wondered this one thing about Christianity. Right. And it's going to answer that. Well, I'm writing down right now, Annie Downs commits to buy 250,000 <laughs> copies. <laughs> Are there that many little libraries? My people, come on, you guys, put them in your little libraries. But yeah, I mean, this feels like such a good one to read. I I mean, I, I'm teaching on Romans 12 this weekend. Oh, and wow, so okay. you gave me hmm. so much, and I will quote you, I promise. <laughs> but, but this just, for those of us that have been discipled for some time. Mm -hmm. This was such a deepening book. Mm -hmm. But I also can imagine that so many of our friends who have a lot of questions that are new to this are going to be able to start here that ends up in scripture. Right. That's just, it's beautiful. Well, And you got to ask, like, who is the gospel most relevant for? Is it for the Christian or the non-Christian? A lot of us who are raised in church say, well, the gospel, that's for non-Christians. But what Paul said, he writes the book of Romans, a book about the gospel, first to Christians, yes. because he says, look, the gospel is not just the diving board off of which you jump into the pool of Christianity. Yes. The gospel is the pool itself. Oh, that's good. The fire to do in the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. Wow. And the more that you soak yourself in, in who Jesus is, the more being a good husband comes naturally. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I tell our people at our church, me telling you the five steps to being a better husband is not nearly as valuable as you being overwhelmed by the 10,000 steps that Jesus took to come and rescue you. That'll yes. make you a better husband or wife than anything that I can teach you. Well. Yes. Yeah, that's it. And so for all of us, just staying, running straight back to the gospel mm-hmm. of what Jesus did. And therefore, yep. this is how we live. Yeah, It's Amen. beautiful. What do we not talk about that you want to make sure we say? Mm. I don't think you covered everything. Okay. People always want to know, they're like, do you have a thing with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he f- appears frequently he in the does. book. Um, so I, that literally is the number one question I get asked. 12 years ago, before Nicolas Cage was cool to everybody, just uh-huh. when he was just a, I made an offhanded comment in a sermon about how I thought he did a good job. It was Con Air or The Rock or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got so much hate back from that, Annie. Like people were like, oh, you know, so- I mean, my personality is probably a defect. I was like, well, I'm digging in. <laughs> yeah, that's so the next very week, eight of you, my friend. <laughs> yes, I promoted him to being the most underrated actor of our generation mm-hmm. to then, you know, our national treasure or yeah, whatever yeah, you want to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. And over time, it's just become a thing to where, like, you know, I just mentioned Nicolas Cage's name and people start laughing at church. Yeah, they know it's you. <laughs> um, and then they made a movie about it, you know, yeah. the unbearable weight of massive talent. And I'm like, I did this before it was cool. You need to be friends with him in real life. I, I've tried multiple times, but my friend who actually is connected to some people who are connected to him say he goes in cycles uh-huh. that after a big movie, nobody can touch it. Disappears. Him. And then he'll do one of his other movies. Uh-huh. And then you can get him to sing at your birthday party okay. for, you know, $300. That's so what we will hope for. We're waiting, waiting for a dud movie and then I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to swoop in. <laughs> That's right. Okay, J.D., the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. What sounds fun to me? Being in Nashville is yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, what are y'all fun. doing here? Uh, we came up, we had some meetings at, at K-Love, yeah. and so, yeah. but Nashville is one of my favorite places yeah. on earth. Uh, just the, the 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 personality of the city. Yeah. Um, there's some of the best places to eat. I yeah. uh, Whenever you ask me about fun, it almost always involves some form of food. Great. We like talking about that here. Yeah. So I, um, I ate at a, a steak restaurant here not long ago, and my favorite steak restaurant in Raleigh, I told the this, this chef or the, the owner who's a friend, I was like, listen, I love this place, but she flew up to Nashville, went and had this, 
you know, particular meal, came back, put it on, and she named it the the meal for me. No. It's on, yes. So I don't have many claims to fame, but you're, at the at the Angus Barn in Raleigh, North Carolina, there is a steak that has my name on it. That and is very cool. What restaurant like was it here? Peace. Can you tell us? Uh, came, you remember? Came, oh, Cane Prime. Yeah, that's right. Listen, did you have their um, brulee corn? Yes. That stuff Nectar is, of the gods. Listen, Paul and I are eating that during our <laughs> podcast. That is what's happening. You can like anybody over that That's stuff. exactly right. <laughs> you can become friends with anybody over brulee corn. That is for sure. Where are y'all eating while you're here? Uh, we, uh, I you rolled remember. so deep, by the way. You brought like three dudes with you. <laughs> Who are? Who's everyone with you? So one of them uh, directs some of these meetings we had today with with Caleb. So there was um, there was a director of ministries and yeah. then just a kind of a personal assistant yeah. and then a guy who is a, a serial entrepreneur who has just done really well yeah. who became a Christian a couple of years ago um, at our church through the Roman series. Yeah, wow. He got saved in the Roman yeah. series. That he just he's like, hey, I want to help you develop some creative ministry ideas. Yeah. So he'll travel with me and stuff like this. And just awesome. That's so fun because yeah. that means everywhere you eat, it's a four top, and y'all are getting to try so much stuff. <laughs> That's right. I love it. So, where are y'all eating tonight? Are you still uh, here tonight? I think we're going to go back early. Oh, so, okay. yeah. Okay. But Sorry. it would be Kane. It would be Kane, right? Yeah. It would be Kane. Understandably. <laughs> now, let me tell you the real trick about Kane Prime. You know that all five of those restaurants right there have the one owner. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Everyone that is right there. And there is one place that you can go where you can order off of any of the menus no. from all five restaurants. So, okay. next time. Y'all need That's to do right. that. And then you can get like the appetizer from sushi and mm. then some biscuits and then some Italian and then get your steak. So can I, can I if I mention any F downs, can I get a discount? I mean, only if you had my credit card to <laughs> hand over. <laughs> I don't think I'm that big of a deal to them. But next time we'll we'll get you in there somehow. Perfect. We'll call the right people. It isn't good. me. But I, I count got the that phone as number. the second promise you've That's made right. to me. <laughs> That's good. Thanks for this book. Thanks for being here. And thanks Thank for, you for your leadership. It has impacted a lot of us up close and far away. So Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you guys, wasn't that interesting? I was so thankful to get to have that conversation today. So grab a copy or two of Essential Christianity. This could make such a great graduation gift for a high school senior heading off to college or the perfect book to read on a plane as you travel this summer. And follow JD on social media and go thank him for being on the show today and for whatever else comes to your heart and mind to thank him for. You know that you heard me thank him too. So, And y'all, the Here For You tour, listen. It is so soon. It is so soon. We still have seats for you. If you're looking for some fun weekend plans in June, grab a friend and come on out. Carlos and I have so many fun things in store for each night, and every stop will be a little bit different. That's the part I cannot wait for. We are just so excited to see y'all. Okay, so we heard what sounds fun to JD, and you know what sounds fun to me, the Here For You tour. Now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening, just like you. All right, Missy, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Well, hey, I'm Missy in Franklin, Tennessee, and what sounds fun to me is actually going to Prince Edward Island this summer. We're, I've been reading the Anne of Green Gables books for the first time as an adult, and I cannot wait to go and explore that island this summer. Oh man, I have always wanted to go and see it. How long are y'all going for? Um, we're going to be up there there in Nova Scotia for like 10 days. Brilliant. So, okay. Yeah. Well, take some pictures and tag me so I can see them because I've been dying to go to Prince Edward Island. Oh, for sure. Will do. I Absolutely. love it. That's a great trip. Is the whole family getting to go? Just Grace and my husband David and I are going. Oh, I love and, it. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited. That's awesome. So. 
If you need anything else from me, you know, I'm very easy to find, embarrassingly so. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And don't forget that you can find the That Sounds Fun podcast on Instagram at That Sounds Fun Podcast. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is going to a baseball game. I have not been to a baseball game yet this season. I got to go. I got to see a baseball game. Y'all have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here for a really special conversation on Thursday with our friend Christine Kane. Can't wait. See y'all Thursday.